This week's episode is brought to you by Rose Festival's City Fair, Portland's grandest celebration and official summer kickoff. City Fair is open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays through June 9th at Tom McCall Waterfront Park. Enter Artslandia's Facebook contest to win four free tickets for admission and make sure to catch spectacular performing arts on the Artslandia stage. More info at rosefestival.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I'm talking to George Manahan, music director at Portland Opera and conductor of the Barber of Seville, which is opening on June 7th. George spent 14 years as the music director for New York City Opera and is the music director for the American Composers Orchestra as well. And I'm also with mezzo-soprano Alexandra Romano, a young artist to watch by Opera News who is consistently praised for her searing vocal delivery and stunning flexibility and rich tone. She is playing Rosina in Barber. Hi, George and Alex. I'm so glad you guys stopped by today. So glad to be here. Hi there. Yeah, I just loved what you just said, Alex. You said hi jinx and hi seas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Maybe not. Well, when you get a mezzo lead, you get fewer high seas. So we'll oh, see. Right. <laughs> so you're both here to work on Barber of Seville, which is a beloved opera. Uh, George, you're working with your longtime associate, Christopher Maltaliano, yes. uh, who's our artistic director here at Portland Opera. And you have such a long history with Portland Opera and Christopher as well. When you land on the tarmac here at PDX, what's the first thing you want to do? Um, go to one of the uh, food kiosks. <laughs> it's usually Korean. I go oh. and get my fix for bulgogi and mm. kimchi. <laughs> I love it. Now, Alex, you've been here before. Yes. And so once. how about you when you get to the airport, what are you thinking? Well, the opera puts us very, very close to Powell's, which is like my eternal temptation. So I usually go wander through and just, you know, see what's around. I'm a big bookworm, so mm. it's my happy place in the city. You know, I'm reading a great book right now called American Spy. Oh. And I, I want to recommend it, and I wish I could tell you right off the bat who the author is. But uh, I think it, I heard about it on the radio. Awesome. Yeah. Is it fiction, nonfiction? It's fiction and it's uh it's great it's kind of a mystery it's really it's really good cool yeah what are you reading right now i am reading a couple books i am the youth of god which is from a canadian publisher they sent it to me to sort of read through and review Mm. um and then i'm also reading for pleasure a sci-fi space opera it's called nemesis games it's like number four in the expanse series which is i think amazon picked it up as a tv show but there are like eight books and it's true space opera, like spaceships and politics and relationships. It's very nerdy. I love it. I made my trip over to Powell's. I'm staying at McCormick Piers, so it's it's a 10-minute walk to get there. Oh, nice. And I found a book that's out of print that I'm reading. I just can't put it down. It's by Peter Viertel. It's called Dangerous Friends. Mm. He was a screenwriter in the 1950s. His name's familiar. Well, he married Deborah Kerr. Oh. Later, but huh. in the fifties, he he worked on the screenplay of African Queen, mm. with, and he worked with, so John Huston, mm. who was absolutely crazy. Right. He worked on uh, Old Man in the Sea. Oh, for heaven's so sake! So all these stories about Hemingway and being with Hemingway and going oh. to the bullfights in oh. the early fifties. Oh, stuff. that sounds fantastic! It's mm-hmm. great. It's not a squishy. Just uh, <laughs> oh, it was all fun. I mean, he's pretty critical of all these guys too. Interesting. And, uh, in fact, he wrote a book that Clint Eastwood made a film of. Um, it's about John Huston 
Black White Hunter, Black Heart. Oh yes, I remember that. He, that was his most famous book. But oh. this is reminiscence, and it's out of print. It was written in the early nineties. Wow, that yeah. sounds great. It's great, yeah. That's what Pals was great for. Oh, it is. It's the <laughs> it's best. A treasure it's the trove. Best. Well, now the opera Barbara of Seville is said to sparkle with fun comedy, fun-filled comedy, <laughs> and mischief. Mm. And just knowing you for about five minutes now, I'm thinking that mischief is like right up your alley. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know it's one of, uh, I just came off a very serious show, Dead Man Walking. It's a very somber, yes. modern opera about the death penalty. And so really all I, sorry, I smile as I say that, and you can probably hear that, and that's awful. But I'm very excited to do some comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I want to do is laugh for the next forever. I'm thinking that the entire United States of America is with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking a little bit uh, a couple days ago about how this isn't devoid of substance, but that it's all sort of opened in this very comedic and lovely way that makes it very palatable and a super fun evening. Mm. She has a flair for comedy because I we did Italian Girl in Algiers together here, mm-hmm. and her timing is just amazing. Oh. Plus uh, the uh, incredible facility that she throws in with these Rossini cadenzas. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We knew each other. Um, we first met at Glimmer Glass. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I was doing uh, Tobias Picker's An American Tragedy, mm. which is based on uh, the book, which uh, A Place in the Sun. Oh, it's that I adore story. that. Oh, I love that movie. And mm-hmm. she was a young artist there, and you were mm-hmm. covering the... the uh, the Elizabeth Taylor part, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> the fancy dancey. Oh. Uh, and yeah. So she, as the cover, she had to know it, and they did a run-through of all the covers, and she just uh, performed the whole thing, you know, oh. off book and completely ready to go on. It was, oh, that must it was be very impressive. so <laughs> exciting to be at Glimmer Glass and seeing young artists coming through and... You know, you, you've seen so many wonderful artists. Yeah, and it's so refreshing I mean, and so wonderful that I knew her as a young artist, and mm. now she's a very accomplished, uh, in-demand singer. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was looking at your bio and seeing what you have in front of you, and you yeah. have other productions of Barber. Yes. And um, was it uh, Versailles? The Ghosts of Versailles. Ghosts of Versailles. Yeah, based on the third of the Beaumarchais. So usually we get Barber of Seville, which mm-hmm. is the first, and then... The Marriage of Figaro, which was is also a Mozart opera. Right. And then the um, Reluctant Mother, La Mère Coupable, uh, yes. is and, the third play. Mm-hmm. And there aren't so many operatic treatments of it, but Ghost uh, of Versailles. Massenet one wrote one yeah. called Cherubin. Mm-hmm. And there's a meal. Carabino, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it takes certain aspects of the Beaubarchet and just emphasizes. Mm-hmm. That. Interesting. Drop out the politics part and mm-hmm. stick to the... Bedroom farce stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, with a schedule like that, and you're doing a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. and you're learning roles simultaneous <laughs> with performing roles, how do you keep your body and your voice and your schedule, you know, oiled? Oh, this is like one of my favorite soapboxes. So, <laughs> um, it took me a long time to figure out busy schedules and health. Mm-hmm. So, I have a pretty good sense of what my body needs in terms of nutrition, and I do a lot to keep my body. Um, in shape for singing specific things. I work with a trainer remotely who understands the breath support system that I need and the flexibility that I need and Mm -hmm. how to get mobility into my schedule after like a long day of traveling. Um, I did a trip to Seoul, Korea for the first time this year and that is a very long flight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I really needed to be able to get back into my body, um, get everything stretched out. I do a lot of yoga, a lot of Feldenkrais, Alexander, these are body work Mm -hmm. methods. Um, 
And then right now I'm traveling with my dog, which is a really, really lovely little mental break. I get home oh. and he knows nothing about rehearsal and he just <laughs> loves on me, which is great. Oh, what kind of dog? He's a Yorkie. Oh. He's a little tiny, tiny thing. Oh. It's great because he fits under the seat. It's perfect. Oh, nice. <laughs> Do you, you must take him on nice walks and help yeah. you get to know the neighborhood where exactly. you are. Exactly. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. How about you, George? How do you keep it going? Well, uh, by the way, I'm very happy because today my wife arrives. Oh. She's, uh, she'll get here about 4 o'clock oh, this I'm afternoon. Oh, I'm so happy for she's you. She's probably, she's driven. She drove from oh. New York. Oh, she's so driven crazy. all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she's done the trip a few times. We have together. But yes. uh, I had Lou. to fly out ahead. Oh, Mary Lou is. She is a light, an absolute light. I, I imagine you just can't wait to see her. <clears throat> and she has our little dog with us. Oh. Stella, who is a three-pound chihuahua. Oh. You may have met her last year. I believe year. I did. I think she came to yes, this recording she session. did. So they're right now, they're somewhere between here and Boise. Oh, I for know. heaven's sake. So. Oh, well, that's a nice drive, awesome. actually. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's, oh, I-84. Okay. I hope you have an opportunity to do some uh, trip out to the river. Because it's the I-84. Columbia River. Right? Yeah, yeah, and you oh, can go yeah, to the Multnomah Falls, and there's a lovely old restaurant. Oh, it's so beautiful. Nice. I've only ever driven from the East Coast to Colorado, which is like a lot of very straight, long, mm-hmm. straight, long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the hard part. I drove my daughter yeah. to college when she went to Syracuse, uh, okay. and we did many cross-country trips. Yeah. So, yes, you're right. It's from like, Denver forward, it's kind of, okay, just cruise control and hope you have a lot of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> we have, uh, we'll be here, my wife and I'll be here uh, for two and a half months because I'm doing the production after Barbara Seville. Right. And then we have about a week before I have to be in San Francisco. So we're going to oh. take a leisurely motor trip oh. down the Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, that's 101, wonderful. I think it is. Mm, yeah. We've done that once before, staying in those little towns right on the coast. Oh, nice. So... Well, I guess we probably should talk about the Barber of Seville a little bit. I mean, it's so easy to talk to you both. So, you know, someone, an opera buff who I happen to know, asked me, George, for the recitatives, are you going to use piano, forte piano, or harpsichord? And who's going to play Will It Be You? We're using harpsichord, Mm -hmm. and it will be me. Well, I there you have it. I prefer to play my own recitatives. I He's love the it. I'll I tell you where I learned that. I, in, when I was in my 20s, I was the cover uh, for Raymond Lepard, wonderful English conductor, mm-hmm. uh, in Santa Fe. This was, uh, and I was his, the cover conductor, and he played his own recitatives. Mm. And I, he was so good at it. I had a little cassette recorder. I would go and record all the way he has his little where he would do a trill or a turn or a, or, <gasps> or just very dry seco chords and i then sort of invented a little shorthand system so i i put uh put them in it so it looks like a fake book a little bit oh. you know and so and he left the season early so i did the last three performances with the cast i mean i have so. to tell you like i do a fair amount of rossini i do a fair amount of recitativo and it's it's so lovely to work with you on reset cuz it's just it's like a teamwork the whole time, and I feel very flexible and supported. It's, it's really It's fun great. because we're still in the early stages of uh, putting the opera on its feet, staging mm-hmm. it, and so we're still trying out, uh, you know, it hasn't gelled yet. So yeah. it's a little <laughs> bit like jazz, you know, because yeah. Christopher will say, okay, let's try this a different way, you know, mm-hmm. do that line differently. And so I'm always trying to figure out how I can sort of complement that. So explain to people who might not know recitative is. So we have the numbers, the arias, which are sort of set. They have a steady beat, the, you know, four, four, you know, like end to end. And then in between, we have the places where the action sort of moves. Because in an aria or a duet or something, time sort of stops. Mm -hmm. And this is where we basically do like a straight play scene 
um, with pitches. Mm. And so we can play with the speed. We can play with the timing. We can take a big pause and look at each other for like a very comedic moment. It's just the most fun. In Like in musicals, it's the dialogue between yeah. the numbers. Right. But right, these okay. dialogues are set you know, sort of half singing. And they're, as she said, they're free enough that you, you, you're you saying the words as fast as you would as if you were just doing mm. dialogue. And so it can be on real life time. Mm-hmm. And it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult to do those because there's so many words. Yeah, they really are. I <laughs> still am astounded how you, <clears throat> how you guys, you singers, can memorize all that. At least I have it in front of me. Yeah. Well, my husband's a trombone player. He says the same thing. He's like, you just, how do you have that whole score in your head? But it's part of the job. You know, you, you stare at it enough times and you sing through it enough playing with different pieces and it starts to come out of you. Mm-hmm. I'm always better in a language that I speak a little bit of. Like if mm-hmm. I ever had to do recit in Russian, I think I would die. But luckily that doesn't actually happen very much. So, but um, Italian, I have pretty good facility with and of course English is fine French is okay speaking of English this barber is going to be performed in Italian yes, and ma'am. on occasion it is performed in English and have either of you ever done a production of Barber in English and how do you think it moves from Italian to English I've never done uh, the show in in English uh, but I remember I'm old enough to remember before there were surtitles mm-hmm. and so it was much more common for Marriage of Figaro and uh, all of these to be done in English because mm-hmm. uh, you, you wanted the the audience to understand mm-hmm. but now with surtitles that's just changed the business right. for the better Absolutely. right I would say yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll say something about Barbara of Seville I think uh, it's certainly a good opera for people who've maybe never seen one mm-hmm. I'll tell you why because there are so many melodies that you're going to recognize. Right. When I was 10 years old, I'd never seen an opera. Mm. But I knew about three or four of the tunes from Barbara of Seville because of... Uh, Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> you know, the, when he gives Elmer Fudd a, a you know a head massage <laughs> or when he comes out as the conductor and yes. they do... Mm-hmm. Uh, and his hands stay up yeah. all mm-hmm. by the Figaro, 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 Figaro. Everybody knows these things. And right. the overture is, of course was used through Bugs Bunny all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Well, now so. we get it all in commercials, too. Like, I've heard that Figaro aria in a couple of recent, very recent commercials. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's all over. Um, and I think Rossini is one of the composers that gets quoted, uh, you know, and used in commercials and stuff mm-hmm. more than uh, almost any other. Mm. Because his tunes are so attractive and clean. Yes. And, and They're uplifting and, and bright. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exciting. yeah, they are. So, Barbara was first performed in America in 1819, I read, in New York, <laughs> in English. And um, it's just real interesting when an opera is put into English. Mm-hmm. Have you done a translation, not of Seville in particular, but another, in which you thought that the translation was a little challenging into English? Um, I've done a couple of English translations. I've done some really good ones where where it's uh, it's not sort of a transliteration where we take every word and we stick it into English, but mm-hmm. it's shaped for a modern audience or for the particular production. Mm-hmm. Those are the most successful to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the transliteration ones can get a little bit like, and now we're in sort of a Germanic syntax, but in English, so that can be a little... Awkward. Separating kind of in a way yeah. from audience and, and musician. It's certainly important if you're doing a comedy for mm-hmm. the yes. audience to understand what's going on. If right. it means doing it in English, it's worth it because you want them to laugh. Right. You know? Good <laughs> point. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I know a few years ago we did uh, Flatermouse here. Uh-huh. And that's pretty standard to do it in English. Right. Which right. we did. Uh, although originally it was in German. Mm-hmm. But I read somewhere that Strauss actually, uh, Johann Strauss, mm-hmm. wrote those finales without a text. Some of it mm-hmm. he just 
and and so then his librettist had to go and find <laughs> words to fit to his music. And huh. so I think, well, he didn't give a damn that much about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the there are pieces was. like Dialogues of the Carmelites that the requirement is that you do it in the vernacular of wherever you're performing the piece. Mm. I think Poulenc wanted that. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. It's a note in the score mm. just so that it's so readily understandable to the audience that there's no barrier. Mm. Um, but as you say, like with the advent of supertitles, I really think that the barrier is way lower than maybe it used to be. It's really interesting when you think about barriers and, of course, so many arts organizations are thinking about these things now, about what are barriers to audiences Mm -hmm. making contact with work, you know, including space and where you are. And it just, it's interesting. Yeah. And who's on stage and all that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the story. (laughs) (laughs) I think Beaumarchais said it was like one of the oldest plots in the book, Mm -hmm. you know, and he wanted to write a comedy. He'd had two sort of like middlingly successful shows. So he's gone full comedy. Um, And to him, the story is the old man wants to marry his young ward. Oh boy, that's an old story. And then, yeah, that's an old story. And then the young lover shows up to save the day and marries him within the old, or marries her within the old man's house, right under his nose. And that was to him the whole story. I don't know if I totally agree, because this one gets a little bit more, there there are more layers to the onion of Barbara Seville. Yes. (laughs) What's great also about the story is that Rossini, with that wit that Uh he has, uh, there is Basilio and Dr. Bartolo, they all have arias and duets, and they're all very different and specific personalities. Right, I love the archetypes, because you can really watch and feel like you relate to who these people are. Yes, and in a way there is a certain formula to, you know... The, the nasty old man, mm-hmm. you know, and the, uh, the, the Basilio, who's the music teacher, but he's the one who's always spreading the rumors. Mm. And then Rosina is, of course, I mean, she's got a, she's a spitfire. You know, mm. she's just oh, not yeah. this little angel who's waiting for <laughs> Miss Prince Charming to come. She's, What's her interior life like? She's a very busy, busy lady up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she understands, you know, there's, there's very much a status quo and her place as a woman in the world, but she also really understands how to manipulate that and manipulate mm-hmm. the men around her um, and, the, and Berta, the, the other woman um, in the show. So I think, yeah, she's, she is conniving. That has kind of a negative connotation, but it very much is her personality. She's always looking for the opportunity to get to a more free place. And mm-hmm. you know, she starts the piece out by hearing this voice that's declaring its love for her from out of the window. And she goes, ooh, ooh, freedom, out the window, marriage, freedom. Uh, and then she's chasing that the whole the whole show. Huh, sounds like The Bachelorette. Necessary. A little bit. <laughs> you know, yeah. all these interesting people coming in. It's true. Maybe we should put some roses in this production. <laughs> yeah. There aren't. Uh, this is a very funny production because Chris Mattagliano yes. has stayed. We have done this production uh, together, mm-hmm. but, and it's very physical mm. and very active. I mean, it's just, and he really likes to drive it. You know, there's a motivation mm-hmm. for every mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. This is your first time, uh, I think, working with Christopher. Yes, yeah. Yes. It's also mm-hmm. my first time. I have covered the role of Rosina, and mm-hmm. so I have understudied <clears throat> and sort of done someone else's production of it. Mm-hmm. This is my first of my own and my first time working with Chris and I'm already rolling on the floor singing high notes so it's going well I love it that sounds like so much fun it is super fun what's the weirdest position you've ever had to hit a high note in oh dear I mean I I tend to like 
protect myself. Mm -hmm. High notes are difficult. Yes. Lying on the floor is actually a pretty um, comfortable position to sing. I do that a lot when I practice. Mm -hmm. So really relaxing. Yeah. It might look weird, but Mm -hmm. it, but it works. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying to think of the most awkward position I've had to sing in. Probably army crawling the last time I was here. (laughs) Oh, uh, in the Italian girl in Algiers. Yeah. Italian girl or carrying. There was a lot, there was a lot happening in that production. I was dragging a boat. I was standing. Oh, like people do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, like a little lifeboat dingy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That was great. So what's the orchestra size of this piece? Um, It's sort of the standard Mozart, Rossini size. Um, It's... uh, I would guess there's uh, about 55 players mm. there. It was pretty standard. Mm-hmm. It's not as big as Puccini or Verdi, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, classical. Right? Nice. They, that's usually just the sort of term they use for it. So enlighten everybody as to the process of rehearsing an opera. You know, you arrive, you have a little bit of rest, you go to day one. I was fascinated because I recently started working in the opera world, and usually I'm in American musical theater plays, where we rehearse, our first day of rehearsal is a reading of the script, whereas in opera, most everyone comes 100% ready, and you sing through the show on the first day. That's, well, you've got it right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the standard way. First day is music rehearsal mm-hmm. uh, with the, all the cast, and we sing through, and uh, I, my Personally, I just like to let everybody sing and not get make too many decisions about uh, the length of fermatas or anything because that comes out when you start doing the blocking. Mm-hmm. And usually the second day, it starts, uh, the director takes over, and then for the next two and a half weeks, we usually are working six hours a day mm-hmm. of, of staging. Mm-hmm. How was it for you, you know, the first day? I know for the first time I did an opera and was singing a score day one, it's what you're used to, but you're meeting all sorts of new collaborators. How does that feel? Yeah, I mean, every I get first day jitters every single time. I don't mm. think it'll matter how long I've been doing this mm-hmm. or how many times I've done a role. Uh, it's you just you're meeting a whole new group of people. You don't know what the energy is. You've spent a lot of time with this score on your own. Right. So in some ways, that first day is almost like a little mini performance mm-hmm. for the fifteen other people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can, it's, I'm, I find it very exciting now, <laughs> but that's, I've come to that. <laughs> I, yes. All the years I've been doing it, I'm the same way. You are. It's the first day with the singers or the first day with a, uh, an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Usually if it's a new orchestra, if mm-hmm. I'm again, it's that first five minutes that I'm the most nervous and then, then it's fine. Oh, it's amazing but, with your experience and expertise. It's just, and you're so, so beloved. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Yes. It's nice to hear, but I, I'm very proud of this orchestra. We uh, just did this big night uh, yes. concert last week. Which and, you also uh, performed. Which she yeah, was yeah. terrific. Super fun. Yeah. She did Carmen. I did. And that. Yes. Oh, lovely. And then also in our, a Vivaldi aria. Yeah, from next season for the, the Portland Opera. Plus, we did a march from uh, Prokofiev, uh, Love for Three Oranges. Oh, and I we adore did that. Flight of the Bumblebee. Oh. Which, so which good. was a huge hit. Oh my so gosh. It was a great program. Yeah. I was like the first time we went through the whole thing, I was like, this is yeah. really fun. Yes. The big yeah. night was so is such a wonderful thing. And I was so sad to be out of town this year because it's amazing. It's such a sparkly event. Yeah. 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 Really it was. Yeah. Was. I just so everybody knows, check out portlandopera.org because there are all sorts of wonderful supplementary mm-hmm. materials. You can learn about all the operas that are coming up. Uh, you can learn more about Alex and George and, <laughs> and the Barber of Seville as well. Um, so I am curious how you guys have fun. 
Uh, I'm a tennis player. Yes. So uh, my wife and I get out two or three times a week mm-hmm. and go play. And then I also uh, will go take a lesson over at the, the Portland Tennis yes. uh, Center. Yes, out by Lloyd Center, yes? Yeah, yeah. Right, nice. But uh, there's so many public courts here. Do you sing that- while you play? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's time to forget. Yeah. Right, How about right. you, Alex? Non-working. Well, I mean, as I said, I'm a bit of a bookworm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Multnomah County Library was kind enough to give me mm-hmm. a temporary library card. Oh, so that's what I've been doing is they have this gorgeous music room. They have mm-hmm. like big Bairdy Ortex and all the things. I oh. was astonished. So oh, that's great. I've been in there digging through the shelves. Do you like independent bookstores? I mean, Powell's, I love them. Yes. I love them. I, I have to give a little shout out to Broadway Books, which is in Southeast, which is oh, not necessarily yeah. terribly close to you, but it's, it's probably right. fun for you to visit a few other smaller stores. Powell's is amazing. We all know that. I just somehow, I like that little hug of a smaller store I sometimes. Love that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That, those are my favorite places. Great. And now how, how do you both fill your artistic cup when you're working, you know, hard on the work that you do? And it's for us artists, I think often I feel as though when I'm working, doing yoga, all the things that I do as an artist to keep myself fresh, it fills my artistic cup. But by the same token, it still has that little tinge of work. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you do that it sounds like tennis is probably that for you, George? It is. It mm-hmm. is a little bit. I also, I definitely, we b- both go to the gym as well. So mm-hmm. cardio, I do a lot of cardio. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, I've been a runner yes. most of my life. It's not that I love running, but if I don't work out, mm-hmm. there's that sort of vague mm-hmm. unease mm-hmm. that's always up in the head. So it's just mm-hmm. to clear the head more than mm-hmm. anything else. Yes, clearing the head. I figure if I, uh, since what I do for a living is waving my arms, I'm, at least I'm working the top half. <laughs> and if I run or, or, you know, get on the elliptical, I just work the lower half. So I I'm, never, I'm covered. <laughs> right. I never thought of this, but I think we should invent a weighted baton. Oh, gosh, you know, one it's like arm a great would be workout. so much. <laughs> yeah, never mind. You'd have to have two. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same way. I need to do some sort of movement, whether mm. it's dancing around my living room for 30 minutes. The end of a rehearsal day is really, I need to go to the gym. I need to go for a long walk. Mm-hmm. I need to move my body because there's just all of that sort of jazzed up stress, adrenaline stuff happening. There's some great dance companies in town that have dance classes. I don't know if that would rock your world. There's BodyVox and uh, Northwest Dance Project. I've taken classes at both places, but I bet they'd love to have you. I'm like the beginneriest of Ditto. Me too. I'm I'm always the nerdiest. (laughs) Perfect. But I just, you know, I just don't look at anybody else and just enjoy the music. I also spend a fair amount of time. My mornings are usually spent, um, pouring in some kind of creative energy into something else. So either Mm. planning a recital program or Mm. talking to friends about how to make the business a better, friendlier, lovelier place for all of us Mm. coming up or who are in it or, you know, I spend a lot of time with my artistic community Mm. and that seems to balance out sort of the churning work sensation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what, who are your favorite contemporary composers? I have to say, I have not met her, but Laura Kaminsky, who did mm. the As One, yes. that piece really, really means a lot to the operatic community in general, and I think to the the life that opera needs to have in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just came off of a piece by Jake Heggie mm. that 
he has he really has a special place in my heart mm -hmm. i'm really excited i'm doing oh, three decembers oh yes that is so amazing yeah i'm pretty excited we did a number on the big night concert you did oh see yeah. i wish it I is such a jeff yeah yeah, yeah. Beautifully. beautiful oh my gosh yeah uh i would say i part maybe because i just came off of doing a production but uh tobias picker is mm. one of my favorite opera mm. he's written about six operas and i just finished performing Emmeline, which mm. was his first opera. Mm -hmm. um, we did it at the Manhattan School of Music with oh. students. And I did the original production in Santa Fe oh. 23 years ago. And we recorded it for uh, great performances. It was oh. with Patricia Rossette. Mm. Oh. I still think that's his masterpiece. He He's written some great ones, including American mm -hmm. Tragedy mm -hmm. and Dolores Claiburne. Mm -hmm. which yes. I've done. So I've done three or four of his, but I, Emmeline is still... I, oh, I wonder if we can one. see that production on YouTube. I, I bet we could search You've for it. You've got to be able to see it. And it was modernized. This one was uh, the the uh, director was Thaddeus Strasberger. Oh. And instead of it was the, the original show uh, is based on a Judith Rosner book. Mm. And it's um takes place in 1840 and 1860. Mm. This was updated to 1990 oh. and, you know, and, and then 2019. Wow. Mm. So it was, it was quite a different take on it. And it was very powerful. Mm. Well, I could talk to you both for another several hours, I think. Um, but I do want to remind everybody that the Barber of Seville is going to be opening on June 7th. And there are performances on the 7th, the 9th, the 13th, and the 15th. And check out everything else about the opera and about everyone associated with it at portlandopera.org. And thanks, everybody, for subscribing to Adventures in Artslandia. And have a wonderful day. Yay. I want to reach 50% more listeners in the next three months, and I need your help. Will you share and subscribe? If I reach my goal, let's invent a cocktail to celebrate. How about an adventure Rita in Artslandia? Or do you have a better idea? Why do we sound so good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike.